Well, welcome back to the Sunday after Easter. Uh, we're still having church. Uh, the Lord is still good, and He is with us. And, you know, as I get to feel at home and get to be, you know, pastor to this family of the Lord, I think it's important that when the Lord does something really remarkable, we stop and say thank you. And uh, every church has kind of markers and milestones along the way, and one of those was last Sunday. And not only was there an incredible crowd of people here, but many of you took the personal risk of inviting a family member or friend or relative or coworker, and God honored your commitment. And when I came in on Monday and found out that uh, between the children's department and our regular service, more than 40 people had committed their lives to Christ or indicated that on one of our cards. I was just, you know, blown away. Just t- breathtaking, you know, breathtaking. <laughs> Amen. Only God. Only God. So he gets all the credit and all the glory. And, and our passion and concern is that the Lord will help us to be faithful, to minister to those people, to invite them back, to be a home to them. That's why... We're having a newcomer reception next Sunday to get some know some of those people. And, you know, people say, well, not everybody comes back the next Sunday. You know, did you notice? Not everybody comes. But they eventually find their way here. You know, they're like, we're that safe place that they went on that particular Easter and God worked in their lives. So thank you. Thank you to all our volunteers. We couldn't do it without you. I think about those holy moments. I think about those ladies that made those 600 little flags. Um, You know, I'm sure they were working away on those flags going, 600 little flags, you know. Is is this this worth it? Well, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you. And thank the Lord. Heaven is for real. Uh, It's more than the title of a movie or a book, though it is that. Uh, I had to do a little research on the sermon this week, so I went to see the movie with two of my favorite girls, my wife Nancy and my mother-in-law Pauline. She is having her birthday this week. She'll be 94 on uh, next Friday. So we had a good time at, uh, was it the Trillium in uh, Grand Blanc and uh, checking out Heaven is for real. And I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, The reason I say that is because, you know, I have opinions about heaven. I have convictions about heaven. Um, If you make a movie about international espionage or some chick flick or, you know, whatever, I may not be an expert on that. But I know something about heaven. I know what the Bible says about heaven. And I know that as Christians, it really doesn't matter what anybody has sort of a a vision or an after-near-death experience, all of that is trumped by Scripture. Uh, Anybody's experience is always evaluated in light of the Bible's teaching, okay? In in fact, uh, the Scriptures anticipated that. It says, even if an angel should visit you and tell you some other gospel, don't believe it because this is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, So, I went with some concern. Now, If you know a little bit of the story behind the movie, you know that it's about the son of Pastor Todd Burpo. Uh, Todd is pastor of the Wesleyan Church in Imperial, Nebraska. 
and his little boy, four years old, had his appendix ruptured. Um, they rushed into the hospital, and in surgery, he almost died, but didn't die. His heart never stopped, and they make quite a point of that in the movie, because, uh, you know, Scripture talks about no one has uh, been to heaven and returned. There are several Scriptures that speak to that, and I'll get into that a little bit more next week. But he says that he, he saw things that he couldn't have otherwise seen. He had some kind of uh, spiritual vision, and some of it included things he saw in heaven. And he talks about colors and people, relatives that he met that he wouldn't have otherwise known. He talks about meeting Jesus, and uh, one of the nicest things that moments in the movie is he says, and Jesus really, really likes children. And that's kind of cool. So um, there were a couple of, you know, minor flaws, but nothing, nothing serious. And so if you'd be interested in it, I encourage you to see it. More importantly, I'd encourage you to be part of the conversation that it's stirring. The, the best thing about um, message movies is that they ask the right questions. They sometimes struggle with the answers, but then that's what we're here for, right? I mean, not just me, we are here to help people find the answers. So it is a good thing to have a national conversation about heaven. Uh, what is heaven like? Where is it? How do we know what it's like? How, do we, how can we be sure we'll go there, you know? And so uh, today and next Sunday and, and a little bit the following Sunday, we're going to talk some more about all these things. Now, the problem trying to talk intelligently about heaven is that it's a little bit like trying to explain to us earthborn humans uh, what eternal life is like as if we were talking to an unborn child in utero trying to tell them that there's a big old world outside mom's womb. It might be a little hard for that infant baby fetus to believe. But they can't comprehend it. They're not in that other place. So it is with us. So it is with us. But God has placed eternity in our hearts. We have this longing for heaven. We have this sense that we were made for more than just the mundane things of life. And the truth of it is that God lives in this place called heaven, in a realm called eternity, which for us is almost impossible to imagine. Eternity. But we're headed there. I'm dying, and so are you. Sometimes we forget that. Well, as far as I know, I don't have some terminal disease or condition other than the same one we all have, life. And this life will one day come to an end. And when it does, we will go into eternity. And the Bible says that we will go to one of two places. Uh, heaven, a place prepared by God for those who love him, where we will be with him and one another forever. Or, or hell, a place prepared for Satan and his minions and those who are deceived by him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I get a choice, I choose heaven. And I do get a choice. I get a choice in that Jesus Christ is the doorway to heaven. And what I do here in this life, this short, brief life of mine, this lifetime, will impact all eternity. 
to kind of get our heads around that, imagine if we could put like a, a wire across this room. Maybe attach it by the um, stained glass on that side and stretch it taut to the stained glass on this side. And that would be the space-time continuum, according to Marty McFly. Now, we got the space-time continuum, and, and that's all the time in, in human history. So how would we represent our lives, your lifetime or mine? We put a scratch. We put a scratch, our one and only life. And on that scratch, what we do with our scratch on that wire impacts everything else. In fact, if we could push the wire out through the walls, through the windows, and extend them as far as we can possibly imagine, that only begins to give us an idea of eternity. God has placed eternity in our hearts. We were made for that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the wisest man who ever lived. King Solomon writes about that. And I think we have the scripture. I have seen the burden God has placed laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We're trapped in time. Uh, He calls it a burden on our hearts, you know, that we're so limited that we can't understand the scope of it. Yet the, the, the sense of it, the flavor of it, the aroma of it is in there, is in us. You might know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. She spent most of her life in a wheelchair since her diving accident at the age of 17 severed her spinal cord. She is an author, a singer, a painter, a speaker. And she longs for heaven, and she's written a fabulous book about it, one of the best I've read. It's called Heaven, Your Real Home. She confesses her fascination for heaven, not just that she's been given some glimpse of it or had a near-death experience, but she has put her mind on it. She has studied it and researched it because she wants to go there. Because once she's there, she will have a perfect body. She will no longer need a wheelchair. And in her book, she talks about all the sights and sounds and glory that awaits us. And it is beautiful. And it is compelling. I love Mark Buchanan's book, Things Unseen. Having ministered to a lot of people who've lost a loved one in the last several years, uh, it's probably the most effective, most helpful book of all, Things Unseen. He writes, Heaven Bent. Our hearts have an upward lift. The grain of our souls leans heavenward. We have a hunger for the things above. But our skill at pursuing them is broken by our fallen sinful lives. So we live in a world longing for heaven, but so often headed for hell. We're seeking heavenly things in all the wrong places, in something that will make us feel more alive and bigger than we really are. We don't stop to think about it. But American culture is consumed by big experiences, blockbuster movies. I I saw on TV the other day the world's tallest water slide, 170-some feet tall. Are you ready? You know, you maybe, maybe for just a few seconds, you'll feel bigger than life, 
really your heart will be fast, you know. Whether it's riding in a scary fast sports car or on the biggest coaster at Cedar Point, or for some people it's in a chat room of make-believe intimacy online, or reading the latest Fifty Shades of something novel, or swallowing a drink or a pill, or taking a toke now that it's almost legal, or finding that one particular person that we desperately want to fill us all up. We're looking for love in all the wrong places, God's love is the only love that will complete us. Heaven is the only thing that will fulfill us, the longing, the the sense of eternity that God has placed within us. So along this journey, from where we are to where we're going to be forever, maybe we should be a little more heavenly-minded. Now, I know we've all been told that's a bad thing, right? If you get too heavenly minded, you'll be no, no earthly good. <laughs> I've been a pastor a long time. I haven't met too many of those folks, you know. Uh, maybe a few, maybe a few who got a little bit strange. But for most people, being heavenly minded is a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote this, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. The apostles themselves, who set out on foot to convert the Roman Empire. The English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. They left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied by heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think about heaven that we've become so ineffective in this world. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That's Paul's advice in Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on things above. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Philippians. To me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be part, to depart and be with Christ, go to heaven, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, I I get to choose, he said. Maybe the Lord will let me go to heaven, and heaven would be far better, but I need to stay here because I have work yet to be done. Heaven is far better. Have you thought about that lately? Heaven is like the best stuff of earth with none of the bad stuff mixed in. Take the things you love most. A perfect sunset over Lake Michigan. A crisp fall day on Traverse Bay. A hole-in-one at treetops in Gaylord. Sea salt caramel truffle ice cream. Komodo Dragon Coffee at Starbucks. A Cadillac CTSV hardtop convertible with the top down driving through the tunnel of trees on M119. A perfect evening of sexual intimacy with your spouse. An afternoon riding Millennium Force at Cedar Creek. An all expense paid week in your favorite holiday destination. 
as good as they are, they're only hints of heaven. Heaven is like earth without any of the bad and even better good. Heaven, the Bible says, has fullness of joy at God's right hand. Life is good, but heaven is better. Life is the dress rehearsal, the warm-up, the introduction. Remember what Alan Iverson called it? Practice. Practice. It's just practice. I'll never forget that interview. (laughs) And he's going on and on about how stupid it is to practice because he wants to be in the game, right? Well, this is practice, and heaven is the game. Not only does heaven have so many good things, it doesn't have all the bad things. Think of what the scripture tells us heaven doesn't have. No sorrow, no death, no dying, no tears, no crying, no pain, no sickness, no broken bones, no migraines, no bulging middles, no balding heads, no crow's feet, no frown lines. Have I gotten to yours yet? Mmm. No wheelchairs, no crutches, no walkers, no pain. We will be clothed in resurrection bodies, which the scripture tells us will be like Christ's glorious body, Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await, isn't that interesting? Eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That sounds good to me. A glorious body, a new body, a resurrected body for those who are in Christ Jesus. So maybe we should think more about it. We should long more for it. We should more eagerly await it. All these things that God has placed in our lives and in this world are hints of heaven. Again, Mark Buchanan in Things Unseen talks about the longing for the place you grew up or for the taste of the apple crisp your mother baked and pulled warm from the oven or the lingering scent of your dad's cologne or your mother's favorite perfume or that special place perhaps along the lakeshore where you're Dad took you fishing. All these things are hints of heaven. We we only know now in part what we one day can experience to the full. How? Well, the Bible answers that. Perhaps the most important question. How do we get this heavenly home? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Eternal life is found through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why God sent him. And so to be sure of our home, we need to be sure of our heart, that our heart is open, that Christ has been received, that we have turned from our sin and trusted him with everything we are. God's love gave us Christ so that when we receive him, believe in him, we can cross from death life. Did you know that eternal life starts the moment you receive Jesus Christ? You don't wait till after you die. I mean, it gets better after you die. But the moment Christ enters your life, you become an Easter person. 
The same power that, wrote, that resurrected Jesus Christ becomes alive in you. That's what the scripture says. So our lives become incredibly better here and now and even better once we cross into eternity and receive our heavenly home. So in light of our heavenly home, what difference should it make? Well, it should make the difference that no matter what I go through, I realize this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You remember that? Anybody know there's a song like that? When I was a kid, I was going to say when I was little, but I haven't been little in a long time. Um, When I was just young, our family made a trip every summer, or at least every other summer, from our home in Niagara Falls, Ontario, to Weyburn, Saskatchewan, where my elderly grandparents lived, where my mom was raised. And so we looked forward to the trip. We got ready for the trip, and and we headed out on our trip. We drove through, that came across the Blue Water Bridge, and we took the highway across from Port Huron to the freeway at Flint to go north to the Straits. So you know where we drove? Right past this church. And we would then catch the freeway. We'd go north. And when I was uh, just an infant, we took the ferry. I barely remember that. But uh, then they built the Big Mac. Anybody remember that? No, only the very, very few elderly folks like me remember that one, right? And then we took Highway 2, and we drove across Highway 2 from... Uh, St. Ignace, all the way to Minot, North Dakota, and then went up to Saskatchewan, and we were anticipating all along the way. My folks didn't like to stop. We couldn't even stop for pasties in the UP. (laughs) Or, you know, all along the way, we were like, no, we had to keep going because we wanted to get there, right? That reminds me that I am on a journey toward heaven. Uh, Now, if it's up to me, we can stop for pasties along the way, okay? We get lots of, lots of beautiful moments where heaven touches earth, where God is with us. But we're on a journey, and we're not there yet. And we have a home, and it is a heavenly home. And along the way, guess what? We get to share the love of God. We get to invite people along with us. I want to go to heaven and take as many people as possible with me. How about you? I want to go to heaven and take as many people as possible with me. As I was made for eternity, there's something in my heart that was designed to last forever. That's why I was created. That's why I exist, to love and worship God forever. As a pastor, I've had some challenging funerals to officiate. Uh, None more challenging than when a very young child passes from this life to the next. Shortly after we moved to Spokane, Washington, uh, one of the secretarial staff in our church, Catherine, she was about to have a baby and in the process of the prenatal appointments, they discovered that he had a hypoplastic left heart syndrome, something that's uh, seldom survivable. And uh, so within days of his birth, he had surgery uh, to correct his heart and prepare it. And the plan was that there would be this series of surgeries. Uh, Seth was his name. And for several months, we enjoyed uh, being around him and his family and watching this precious little life. And we all prayed as a church and hoped for the best. But seven months from his birth in October, he passed into eternity. So now, now we have a service. And now I, now I'm supposed to say something. 
And the only words that make sense in a moment like that are God's words. We talk about the the heavenly home God has prepared for us. That He has put eternity in our hearts. That, That Seth was not made to live seven months. Seth was made to live forever. And that's exactly what He's doing. And so were you meant to live forever. C.S. Lewis wrote these incredible children's books, The Chronicles of Narnia. And in the last book, he tells uh, sort of the end of the story. He says that the four Pevensey children, Edmund and Lucy and Susan and Peter, Edmund, yes, Edmund and Lucy and Susan and Peter, the Pevenseys, they have, they have had a train accident and and they have died and they have gone into Narnia and they're not coming back. But then he says, they are now on an adventure that he can't communicate in writing. It's so incredible that it's too incredible for words because everything that happened in their lifetimes and everything he told about in the first part of the story in Narnia was only like the cover and the title page. And now they are in a place where true life is unfolding and where every chapter is better than the one before. I love that. That's heaven. The place, our true home, the place we were made for, the place we can only begin to imagine where everything that happens is better than the chapter before. And I want to go there. I want to have my faith grounded in Jesus Christ. I want to be sure of my salvation, and I want that for you. And then I want us to live the kind of lives that God can use so that other people will come with us. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for the home you have prepared for us. We all know somebody who has gone ahead of us to that place to be with you. Thank you that your word tells us that Jesus Christ himself has gone there. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. And and as we place our faith in him, as we believe in him and receive him, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ comes alive in us. And we live here today in the afterglow of Easter, (laughs) celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive forevermore. But the truth of it is that all of us who are truly alive in Christ will not die. We will breathe our last and we will go from this life to the next life. From the little life to the big life. To the life that's really alive. I pray that you would put that deeply in us and Stir our imagination and stretch our souls and give us a longing for more. But I pray that if there's anyone here that's not sure, that even now they would truly say, Lord Jesus, I want to give you my life. Forgive me. Live in me. Change me by the power of your resurrected life. Make me truly alive. 
And Lord, for all of us who are truly alive in you, I pray that this week we would live like it. We would fix our eyes on Jesus. We would set our minds on things above. And that would change the way we live. So hear our prayer and use our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, next week we're going to talk about the details, okay? Some of the, some of the questions about heaven that a lot of people have. And so I encourage you to come back and bring a friend. We're going to close with a song of worship, so would you stand? And let's join our hearts together.